welcome to another episode of the Team Rhino Outdoors Muskie Fishing Podcast. This week we're going to talk to Russ and Jake Smith from Smitty Baits. And specifically we're going to talk about the 6 inch and the 9 inch jerk bait. For anybody that doesn't know, it's probably one of the oldest jerk baits in the muskie fishing industry. But it also catches plenty of fish. Many things have changed. The muskies have definitely not changed and they still eat this jerk bait. I know last year I got picture after picture after picture from Jake on our custom colors, specifically the Nightmare and the Ice Cold Perch color were hot for him last year. But recently we've uh, we've expanded our Smitty Jerkbait lineup and we added five new colors for 2021. And if I can get a few other ideas together, I'll have a few more for him to come up with as well. If you're looking for a very large color selection of Smitty Jerkbaits, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. That is your source for gear for the 2021 musky fishing season. Or maybe it's just a musky fishing year if you're one of those people that's lucky enough to be out chasing muskies yet. Other news from Smitty Baits. Recently we've added their wizard bucktail. That was a Tony Rizzo bucktail prior to Tony's passing. And Jake and Russ have taken on that. So that's pretty cool. I think there's like roughly 12 colors in the Smitty Wizard. Very affordable early season option for a lot of bucktail guys or if you're looking to downsize the wizard is one of those that's almost like a staple in your tackle box if you're fishing northern wisconsin podcast related if you uh if you like this podcast consider subscribing to it on whatever platform you're listening to it on and if you're on itunes consider giving us a rating and a review that would be amazing and as far as that if you're you know looking to get gear for your 2021 season check out teamrhinooutdoors.com we keep adding more and more stuff. We're pushing the pushing the uh, inventory to the limits as far as, you know, color selection and everything like that. We continue to add more and more products, so check back often as we uh, we definitely are are adding more, you know, and more every day it seems like. I know that, uh, you know, in the coming days and weeks there'll be, you know, a bunch more stuff coming. So anyways, we're going to go talk to... Russ and Jake Smith, and we're going to talk about the 6-inch and the 9-inch Smitty Jerk. All right, our guests today are Russ and Jake Smith with Smitty Baits, and today we're going to primarily talk about the 9-inch and the 6-inch Jerk Bait. But before we get rolling on that, let's talk a little bit about the history of the company because uh, there's very few companies in the muskie industry that have been around as long as what you guys have. So thank you two for coming out tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jeff. So, Smitty, Smitty Baits, it's been around for quite a little while, and I'm sure, Russ, you have seen tons in the muskie industry as far as changes, but for today, let's talk primarily about, you know, how, how the whole Smitty Bait thing came about. Well, it's a pretty good story, Jeff. Uh, I started making baits uh, before I sold them. I was making baits uh, just for myself to fish with and catching some pretty nice fish, and uh it actually happened right in the Monaco area here uh, when I uh, won a couple tournaments. Let's see, I was registering some big fish, you know, back then we, we, we clubbed them and, you know, weighed them and stuff like that. So I re- registered some big fish at a little bait shop uh, in Monaco, and it was called Wonders. It actually was right next to where Savemore is, and uh, that shop isn't there anymore, but the owner was Pete Wonder. And uh, he always would say, what you catch it on? And I said, oh, who made bait? And then he said, make me a dozen of them. So I went down into my basement with my little wood lathe, and I cranked out a dozen, and I hung them up in his shop on a Friday night. And the 
paint was a little tacky yet. It wasn't even dry all the way. And by Sunday, the all dozen baits were sold. So Pete uh, said, make me two dozen. So that's where it started, right there in Monaco. And then uh, Bozaki's uh, tackle shop wanted them. And uh, a couple other bait shops. Go Papos was the big one at that time. So they all started ordering baits from me. And I still had a day job. So I, it was hard. I'd have to do work on them at night and then go to work to the the next morning again and I finally eventually in 1976 I quit my day job which I was a industrial pipe fitter and uh, moved uh, the operation permanently to Monaco where we still make the baits in the same little shop that we have in downtown Monaco right now so it's been uh, uh, over 50 years of making baits to sell and actually longer than that where I made some just to fish with for myself. Well, that's quite the accomplishment to be able to spend 50 years in the muskie industry at full time, That right? I mean, that's what you've been calling, that's what you've been making your living for the last 50 years? Yeah, I, I haven't had, uh, you know, a real job that's both like, you know, except uh, making the lures and, and guiding for, since 1976 actually is when I when I quit uh, my job as a pipe fitter. So it's like for over 45 years and all that I've been actually making a living on the lures and, and guiding and um, didn't have any other jobs, you know, to get by on just the lures and, uh, and, and the guiding. That speaks for itself right there. So when did Jake get involved in the operation? Well, he was making baits when he was <laughs> probably too small. Actually, we'd set him on the table and, and he'd be putting screw eyes in. So <laughs> he was making baits almost from, you know, a couple years old, probably. He was always involved with it. And now he's he's the painter now, and he's heavily involved with it and uh, designing some new stuff and things like that and new patterns. He's really come out with some pretty cool patterns, which uh, I used to do all the airbrushing, but now Jake, is he's the, he's the airbrush guy, and he's really been developing some awesome colors. Oh, absolutely. For anybody that checks out our website, they can see it there. We have, I don't know how many custom colors we have now, Jake. What do we, what do you think? Eight, nine of them probably? Um, yeah, it must be about eight. We just came out with those five new ones and we had, I think, four before that. So, Yep, absolutely. We're about eight, seven or eight, something like that. And so we'll hopefully be able to keep pushing that number a little bit farther because like I said, every pattern I send you nowadays, you're, you're able to whip me up a sample fairly quick and and they all look great. Hopefully we can get them all done though before you guys start fishing. I know that things get tough when you guys are trying to balance guide dates and uh, building baits. Yeah, the winter time. Well, this year has been pretty good because we haven't, you know, we're not going to any sports shows or doing that. So we've been able to get a lot of work done, which has been nice. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And from the sounds of it, I mean, I'm assuming that the bait building is going pretty well because I know, you know, most everybody has been selling fishing lures yet. Yeah, that's one thing I'll say, Jeff, that you know, this pandemic was not a good thing, but yet there was a silver lining for all of us guys in the bait business and guiding and stuff like that has been unbelievable. I mean, we were like setting records last year and uh, this year we're ahead of last year so far. So even without sports shows and everything, we're really doing well and uh, the bait sales have been unbelievable. Yeah, like you said, it's been I wouldn't like you like you you said it perfectly. I wouldn't say this has been a a good thing, but there has been some bright moments amongst this, and and the fishing industry has been one of those bright spots. And we're very thankful that it's been that way because 
I feel bad for anybody that's in the hospitality industry, the entertainment industry, restaurant yeah. businesses. I mean, it's sad what's happened with those yeah. people. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the sad part. All of the hotels and you know some of the resorts, maybe. But uh, I know a lot of resorts up here were booked pretty good last year. So, uh, and even like on some of the resorts this winter, there's been people, uh, ice fishermen, and cross country skiers and some snowmobilers now that are actually coming to some of the resorts. So um, they're looking for things that people are looking for things to do outdoors and, and we have it to offer in our area. Yeah, absolutely. You do. I've tried to get up in that area as often as I can. I'm more in the Oneida County area. When I come up, I'm, I have a camper and a campground over on Pelican Lake. So I'm over there quite a bit. Oh, that's a nice lake. Yeah. Yep. For sure. That's a beauty. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of baits, the reason we have you on tonight is to, I keep saying tonight, but it's actually today. I'm so used to doing podcasts during the uh, evening hours. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about the 9-inch and the 6-inch Smitty Jerk Bait. Why don't you guys talk a little bit about the construction of that bait as far as, uh, is it wood, plastic, uh, anything else that you feel that's unique or has to offer with that bait? So the, the large and small jerk baits are both made out of pine. Uh, they're all wood. Um, it's, you know, turned on a lathe and both models are weighted. The nine inch jerk has a little bit more weight in it. It has almost an ounce and a half of, of weight in it. It floats barely. It's almost neutral in the water. And the smaller jerk bait is a lot more buoyant. It's, um, probably a little bit better for fishing the shallower weeds and, you know, anything where you need it to, to work it, top it up a little bit quicker. It, you know, has a, like a mouth cut in the front of it, and it kind of makes a dart to the side when you when you jerk it. It's not really, it's not a glide bait, and it's uh, not a dive and rise bait. It it darts to the side more. It's more erratic. You can you know kind of give it longer jerks, and you know then I like to give it a couple long jerks and a couple of short jerks, and the thing will be darting all over the place. Let's talk about that a little bit. So a nine inch, how deep do you think the nine inch bait's going to get on an average retrieve? If you work it hard, like, you know, hard jerking, you know, kind of fast, faster, you could probably get it around five feet, I would say. Um, the smaller one is probably only about three feet. So two to three feet on the small jerk and three to five on the larger jerk. So you said that the smaller jerk's going to work better in the obviously the shallower weed since it runs a little bit shallower does that mean typically you're starting out the season with the six inch and then you progressively move to the nine inch or when do you use yeah, one versus sure. the other right well this year right away we started out i think the first muskie i took my dad with he caught that on the six inch jerk and that was you know the saturday of or memorial day weekend we we're fishing on them right away with the small jerk and then yeah you're right i usually switch on you know um you know by the middle of june i start using the the nine inch jerk already and i'll fish that bait all the way the whole season all the way till november into november well that was the one thing i noticed with you last year you were sending me pictures on this jerk bait pretty much throughout the entire season and a lot of people would would i guess they would maybe kind of equate like a a wood jerk bait like this to you know fall time but obviously that's not the case. So when is it, like, what are the conditions that you're looking for when you want to use this bait? Um, I guess it's more, um, you know, I, I guess I fish it, I've used the bait every day, no matter what. 
and um, and when I'm guiding, you know, I'll, I'll have a guy throwing a a bucktail, uh, sometimes top water, and then I, you know, I'll always have a guy throwing a jerk bait. It's just something that you know I I guess I've used, and it's, I have so much confidence in it that you know what I go to. So it's uh, it always always proves itself. I think a good thing to look at too, Jeff, is like. I walleye fish like the whole month of May. Pretty much, I most of my gu- guiding in May, you know, because their musky season opens on Memorial Weekend. But uh, so I'm walleye fishing, and usually about a week before Memorial Day, when the muskies are waking up, and I'm bringing in a say a 15, 16 inch walleye, and a musky t-bones the walleye. Well, that kind of tells me being out on the water so much that. Maybe they want something a little bigger than we're throwing sometimes. And uh, I've already started throwing the nine-inch jerkbait already on Memorial Weekend uh, and caught fish on it on Memorial Weekend with the big jerkbait because some of those bigger fish that are recuperated from spawning, um, they're looking for something bigger. So, I mean, I know the rule of thumb is to go small, and that's a good rule because I think you're going to catch more fish that way probably. But... I think you could get a couple big ones by just throwing something a little bigger because they're looking for a bigger meal. Yeah, for sure. If you listen to our Backlash podcast for anybody out there, like Brad Hoppy on there, he's always talking about going big early. He's never an advocate of going small. And I mean, I think your point there, like when they come up and hit a 15-inch walleye, well, they're definitely not looking to snack on a little six-inch bait. So That being on the water at that time of the year, you learn stuff from what the other fish tell you. And, you know, like you say, a uh, big muskie. I remember years ago when I didn't have live wells. I mean, this is going back, you know. But anyways, we used to put the walleyes on a stringer, and you'd have, you know, three, four walleyes on a stringer, and that little white tip on their tail, you'd be drifting along, and that white tip on the tail going back and forth, and all of a sudden there'd be a big monster muskie tracking your stringer. <laughs> and uh, it kind of, you don't see that stuff anymore because we have all live wells now, but Back in the day, we used to put them over the side on the stringer, and uh, it, those uh, little white tips on the walleye tail was uh, quite an attractor. <laughs> and I've had them, I've had them hit, I have muskies hit them on the while the fish were on the stringer too. I've had that happen before. <laughs> yeah, little things that you don't think of, like the you know, like you said, with the uh, people hanging stringers over the edges, like it's. It's not a whole different world, but it's a whole different world as far as like how fishing is concerned these days. Like just the little things that you probably saw back in the day compared to like now, it's just completely changed. It, it has. I mean, those little things like that you don't see anymore. Uh, I mean, Jake and I, we have that opportunity to guide at a private uh, place in Boulder Junction. And I remember just recently, this is only in the last few years of uh, going to one of their little lakes and using one of their little Lund boats. And I had two ladies in the boat with me, and I had a little fish crib we were catching walleyes out of, and and I had to fish on a stringer. And all of a sudden, all this commotion next to the boat, and the two ladies, what's that? I said, it's got to be a muskie. So I pulled the stringer up, and the muskie was clamped on the, on the, on the onto a walleye. I said, we'll get him. And so he let go, and I, I, they said, well, I said, let's move because we're not going to catch any more walleyes here. He said, no, let's stay where this is a good spot. So anyways, uh, about five minutes later, the muskie was on the stringer again. So I pulled it up real slow, and I put the landing net underneath. And I said, we caught a muskie today. <laughs> so <laughs> at lunchtime, these ladies were telling the story. 
at the table that they were at with their families that we got a muskie. They didn't say they caught it. They said, we got a muskie and we got a picture. We let it go, of course, but uh, we had a picture of a muskie and then we never actually caught it with a lure or anything. It was it wouldn't let go of the walleye. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows you that they're looking for something bigger sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a pretty cool story. <laughs> so and that, that was real recently so that stuff still happens it's just that we don't have stringers over the site anymore <laughs> right exactly yep i mean the muskies haven't changed it's us as humans that have changed that's right that's right so jake and you kind of touched on on working these two baits or how deep you can work them based on how hard you drive them what's like a typical i would say like a retrieve if you can kind of explain it like how how far are you pulling your rod are you making short twitches are you making longer pulls how, I mean, you, you, you're imparting some pauses in there. Like, what's what's a typical retrieve like on this bait? Well, a lot of times, it depends. A lot of times, if I'm fishing where there's, you know, cabbage weeds that I can see, I'll, you know, cast it out and um, get the thing moving right away. And a lot of times, I'll pump my rod tip up, um, you know, two or three jerks up, and I catch a lot of them, you know, near those weeds doing that. And then... I'll jerk it down to the side, you know, and work it in the rest of the way short. Well, I like to give it like a long jerk. And then if I just give it a, a short, uh, small little twitch almost, it'll dart the other direction. So I can get to basically walking it in. And then, you know, like I said, I like to give it like two or three long jerks and mix just, I mix it all up until I kind of find a pattern. What the fish are looking for that day. You know, if I'm fishing deeper, I won't pump my tip up. I'll just immediately start jerking it uh, and working it back. Sure. And Russ, you working it similar to what Jake is? Yeah, I think, Jeff, the whole key with uh, jerk baits, it, it's actually the name of it really explains it. Uh, it doesn't, uh, jerk baits don't really have action. It's the guy using it, you know. So it's like we always say it's the jerk on one end of the post making the jerk bait work. But uh, I, I vary my jerks quite a bit. And like Jake said, if I'm over weeds, that's one thing about our baits. Uh, if you pump your rod tip up, if you're in heavy weeds, you can keep it closer to the top. And as you get deeper, you lower your rod and then jerk down and it drives the bait down a little more. So you can actually control your depth a little bit with the weighted ones that we make. And I always vary my, my retrieve. And like Jake said, if, you do a couple long ones and you do a short twitch and Jake and I both have taught a lot of anglers how to use jerk baits. I mean, there is a technique. Uh, it's not just the same old jerk every time. And when you do that short twitch, like Jake talked about, it makes the bait turn the other direction, like walk the dog style. And when you make the bait turn like that, that's when the strike is going to happen. It's got something different in the pattern of the retrieve and not the same jerk every time in the bait it's kind of monotonous and it doesn't really trigger strikes as much as changing the retrieve by short jerks here and there a little longer one short uh pump the rod up once in a while and there is a real technique to not just our jerk bait but all jerk baits there's there's technique to it absolutely what well, sounds like this one here isn't probably real difficult to work with uh you know your average angler your beginning angler sounds like there's no real wrong way to work it no actually it's pretty easy to use because it's weighted it's 
not like you're try, trying to drive down uh, a piece of wood that has no uh, no weight in it, which is hard to keep under the surface, uh, you know, for any length of time. So it, it actually is a good beginner bait. And uh, I don't know how many people I couldn't tell you over the years that caught their first muskie on one of our little jerk baits, you know, that I took out and taught them how to use it. And that's the whole thing. Guys will ask me at a sports show sometimes. So I try to tell them the technique and stuff, how to use it. But the best thing is to spend time on the water, of course, and going out with a good guide that knows how to use jerk baits. In one day, you can, uh, an angler can learn a lot about technique on using jerk baits uh, as, you know, just talking about it. But if you're on the water, it's the best way. And a lot of times, if I have two guys in the boat with me that are good anglers, I'm not going to cast because I want them to catch the fish. And But sometimes they'll say, why don't you fish? Well, yeah, I, by me fishing, they learn a lot. They learn a lot how I'm using my bait, which is different than they're using it. And it's actually good for a guy to cast sometimes along with the clients because the technique, on, especially with jerk baits, the technique is very, very important. Yeah, I find the same thing that people can learn a lot better by watching than, you know, by telling them how to do it. it if they watch you for a half hour and they see how you got that, the bait darting all over it, they, they can catch on a lot quicker doing that for sure. Absolutely. Well, if somebody was looking to book a guide trip with you to learn more about these baits and, and get out and catch a muskie, how do they go about doing that? Probably just best to call or text us. Um, my number is uh, 715-614-5381. And my dad's number is 715 715- Eight nine two five nine nine nine. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I I saw the pictures all season long last year, and uh, you know what you did with the bait was—I want to say—it was simply amazing because I'm sure that you do it almost every year. I'd imagine, yeah, the the Smitty Jerk is probably one of your top producers year after year. Yeah, I think I think something else about it is, you know, maybe our bait isn't as well known as a lot of the other jerk baits that people are throwing. So I think, you know. The fish probably see them a little bit less, which is probably an advantage to you know to us using them or anybody that's throwing them. So it's a little bit different action and you know a little bit different shape, a little different design. So that that definitely helps too. Yeah, without a doubt. I know that when uh, with those new colors that you sent me, the uh, I had to grab a copper carp and an ice walleye because <laughs> you know both of those colors are nice. Like. If you're learning, if you want to learn how to use the jerk bait, pick a, a light color like that copper carp because you'll be able to see exactly what that bait's doing. You know, you can see that white all the way in, and the ice cold perch with the white head. Yep, that was a good bait for me with clients because they could see it coming in the whole way that because the head is white on it. So it was that's a good bait to learn on for sure. Yeah, I think last year it was uh, Nightmare was one of your hot colors as well, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a hot one. I like that one too, Jeff. That was a good pattern. That's great. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully you guys have a great season this year with that, that jerk bait. Is there anything else you guys think that we haven't covered about it? Yeah, I was going to talk about some of my first patterns, Jeff, that I was actually the very first musky bait company that made a fluorescent colored lure. And the first one was a Sartreuse with a little black scale on it. And it was a flat finish. And I won tournaments. I caught so many fish on that. And a lot of people looked at it. Oh, you won't catch anything on that. 
But uh, that fluorescent pattern still to this day is still catching fish. Uh, and I think, like Jake said, it's good for an angler because you can see the bait. And with a jerk bait, you got to kind of see it a little bit to to be able to give it the right action and technique sometimes. And uh, some of those fluorescent colors that I came out with 50 years ago, I think it was when I made the first one. And a lot of, you know, diehard guys, oh, you got to throw sucker or black, you know. And I was just tearing them up. As a matter of fact, I found an old bait hanging in my garage this last year that was that old chartreuse. We called it the dynamite stick, it was called. And uh, I grabbed it and I threw it in my boat one day. I was guiding a client and I put it on and he said, oh, that thing don't hardly have any paint anymore on it. I said, you won't catch nothing on that. I think the second cast I had went flying out of the water. It almost jumped in the boat after it. <laughs> and then a couple casts later, I caught the fish, and it was on that old uh, dynamite chartreuse color. That was uh, That's still a good pattern. Yeah, it is. And, you know, just listening to you talk, it's crazy sometimes because I would be hard-pressed to think that there's going to be a person that's going to see more advancements in the sport of musky fishing than what you've seen over the last, you know, 50, 60 years or whatever it is, you know, just whether it be, you know, colors, rods, reels, electronics, boats, the whole thing. I mean, the advancements that you've seen amongst your lifetime has been incredible. Oh yeah. If I think about, uh, my first musky reel was a Fluger my dad bought for me. My dad was a good musky angler too. Him and I were always fishing together and uh i had that old fluger reel and uh an old uh steel rod that i had at first and then i advanced to a solid uh a solid fiberglass white shakespeare rod and then from there to you know hollow glass uh head and musky pals and now the saint croix and all the other good custom-made rods that are out there it's remarkable and the length too like we all had little short broomsticks and I don't know if I had to go back to that, which I should try it one day just for fun uh, to cast an old pole around once and, and what, what difference and how much more you can put action into a lure with the type of rods and, and reels and the higher speed retrieve and things like that is just remarkable. The advancement that, and also with line too. I mean, we had dual black jack run and, you know, Gladding's Invincible Camouflage line. I remember using that. It was like four-colored uh, braided line. And uh, now with all the high-tech lines, and I mean, the 80-pound test is like about, you know, 25-pound diameter and no stretch for setting a hook and all that kind of stuff. So the advancements over the years have been unbelievable, and it's been for the good for the angler, too. I mean, it's just uh, so much better than that we had back in the day. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like I said, basically all the all the different changes that you've seen. Even like I said, I mean, we didn't even touch on electronics and all that stuff. I'm sure that you guys are looking yeah. at the advancements <laughs> in that too. It's just crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. That's another uh, awakening. When I had, I thought I had the world by the tail. When I had the Lawrence Green box in my boat, I could see the depth and mark fish and you know stuff like that. And uh, compared to what we have now, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we got a we we're talking about a jerk bait, but we're getting a little a musky fishing yeah. history yeah. lesson. <laughs> well, I guess we're getting off a little, Jeff. <laughs> uh, that's all good. I I mean, I like I love hearing the stories. I love hearing from guys that have been doing it for a long time, and so I I really appreciate you guys taking some time out of your schedule. I know that you guys are busy making lures, and and I know Jake's got to go do a little ice guiding yet this afternoon. So 
I really want to thank you guys for coming out and taking some time talking about the Smitty Jerk. We'll have you back on at some point in the, I don't probably say near future, because for people that don't realize the Smitty lineup is, uh, it's expansive. They have lots of stuff, lots of product offerings, not just jerk baits. They have some glide baits and some top water baits and some flap tails. And now you got that new wizard uh, bucktail that used to be Tony Rizzo's. And so I think I'd yep. like to have you guys back on a few more times in the next, uh, I don't know, a few months. And we'll finish talking about a few other baits that you guys have to offer. That sounds great, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you guys, and you guys have a good day. Well, you have too. a great day. Thanks, Jeff. Um, that's the uh, nine-inch and the six-inch Smitty Jerk from Russ and Jake Smith. We appreciate those two guys coming out and talking muskies. I know that uh, we we're mostly talking about baits in this one, but we got a little history lesson from Russ, and that was pretty cool. I always enjoy hearing hearing from guys that have been in the industry for a long time, and he's certainly that. Uh, super great anglers, both of them, and they put a lot of fish in the net every year. So if you had a chance to and you're interested, go book a trip with them and go out and uh, see what northern Wisconsin has to offer with those two guys. If you're looking to get your hands on some Smitty jerk baits, uh, we have a great selection of them. TeamRhinoOutdoors.com is the place to be, and we continue to have a great selection of a lot of baits. So if you're looking to get gear for 2021, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And we just want to thank all of our listeners for coming out and checking out our podcast. I know it's a little bit different from our Backlash podcast, which you can also check out on the same platforms that you find this podcast every single Wednesday. And we're approaching episode 100 on that podcast, and we're going to have something pretty cool, something a little unique on that podcast as well. So if you like this one, you'll probably like that one as well. It's uh, more of a, it's less about gear. It's more about tips and tactics and how to put more muskies in the net. So check out Backlash Podcast. And, you know, once again, we just want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate the support of TeamRhinoOutdoors.com, and hopefully we can continue to grow this well into the future. So thanks again, and we'll see everybody again in two weeks.